This is from John 4, 46 through 54. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana, where he had turned the water into wine. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son, who was about to die. Jesus asked, Will you never believe me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, Go back home, your son will live. And the man believed that Jesus, what Jesus said and started home. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them when the boy had begun to get better, and they replied, Yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that that was the very time Jesus had told him, Your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. Oop, am I on okay? Thank you. Thanks, Drake. So, <laughs> good morning. That was nice and energetic. Uh, you always get the feeling of how church is going to start when someone says good morning, and it's like an overwhelming good morning from the crowd. So uh, thank you for that. So for those of you that I uh, have not yet met, my name is Rob McGuirk, and I serve here uh, in the, the greeting team, the setup team, and also the preaching team. So uh, I get to share God's word with you today. Um, and we are just starting. We're kind of in our second week of the seven signs uh, in the book of John. So we're, uh, we're starting this, and uh, just so you know, if, if you haven't been here or you weren't here last week, we have these journals in the back, these scripture journals. So please feel free to go grab one. Uh, it's a great place to take notes, you know, doodle some thoughts, questions um, for your life group, etc. So please uh, don't hesitate to go and do that uh, throughout, well, right now, if you'd like. Um, so last week, Danny preached on the first, the first miracle in John, and that was at, the, at Cana at a wedding feast, a celebration where water was turned into wine, um, and, and we're going to pick up kind of from that moment uh, before we get into John 4, which is the second miraculous sign. So could you just, we'll, we'll just go to the next one. Um, we were really hoping that that would be a different picture. <laughs> ah, there it is. There it was. We just wanted to say one more time just to... To bring that up for Anna and Alex. I don't know how that got there. That's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, one more time. One more time. It's wonderful. It's, it's glorious and wonderful, and, uh, and you're welcome, Anna. It was totally Alex's idea. I had nothing to do with that. I didn't egg him on this morning. All right, so if we can go to, the, to John 2.11, I think was, was the preacher. There we go. So this is the one that uh, Danny had, had preached on last week, and he started with this, or he mentioned this sentence at the very end, and his disciples believed in him. And, uh, you know, we talked about this last week, and, and um, it's not like they didn't believe in him before. This was just like a growth moment for them, right? There's growing faith. And, and Danny had set me up last week, and he said, you know, we're going to talk about growing faith. It's not fully matured next week. Um, so for this week, the little mini title I've given this message series, I like to have smaller titles, it keeps me on track. I was going to have growing faith, but Danny had mentioned that, so I'm going to title this one Dynamically Growing Faith, right? Just a, just a little different, um, but dynamically meaning continuous, right? It's, it's a progression, and I think it's really important for us to see that 
you know, this faith that develops a relationship with the Lord is always growing uh, in, in all sorts of moments. And we're going to actually talk about a faith journey today with this narrative of a royal officer um, and kind of his progression through, through his faith journey. So uh, we, can, we can go to the next one if you, if you can. Bam! Uh, yeah, like two people were excited about the map. I looked, by the way, I scanned. I was like, I'm going to put a map up here. Uh, I'm a historian by training, so I love maps. And, and I knew that Danny and Alex would appreciate the map, maybe somebody else in the room. Um, but, but the map tells us a story. It gives us some context that's really important um, with, with this story that uh, Jesus is going to go through and then also this royal officer. So uh, with this, this is the very first one, we have a little uh, Cana to Cana kind of situation here. It says in verse 46, as, he's travel- as he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana. Now, if you were here last week, we were in Cana. So, so what happened between those moments, right? Um, and I just want to quickly mention what had happened. So there was that the wedding feast in Cana, celebration moment. Then Jesus and his disciples and many others went down to Judea and to Jerusalem for the Passover feast, where John mentions he did many other miracles and people saw them and believed in him. He works his way, he, Jesus, works his way back through Samaria, and now he's back in this region of Galilee in the north. And this is where we hear this story, this wonderful, remarkable story picks up, where it says, as he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana where he had turned water into wine, just as a reminder, and there was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. And when he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son who was about to die. The first time we're in Cana, there was a moment of celebration. The second time, some desperation, right? So I, I really appreciate how this story kind of comes full circle here. And we have to remember, this is a royal officer, which means he's, he's wealthy, he's got a lot of resources, he's got status. You can imagine that he probably exhausted all those resources. His, his son's sick and on the brink of death. He's desperate, and he hears that Jesus is back in the area. A little piece of faith, right? A little piece of faith. He hears it, and he thinks, now, who, who is this person? Is it a person, a prophet, a miracle worker? He's probably, his, he's probably heard these stories, the wedding feast, the Passover feast, and it doesn't matter. He's just desperate. So he decides he's going to go. This is the first stage of progression of faith we're going to talk about. We're talking about three today. This is the first one. The first one is what I like to call beginning faith. It could have been called desperate faith, right? Because that's usually when most people have decided that they're going to take that step uh, to the Lord in a moment of need, desperation. But in this case, you know, in this case it's desperate. But it could just be curiosity. I mean, there's just this little bit of faith that this man shows and he's going to start on his journey to seek the Lord. And I've got to share with you, I think this, uh, I firmly believe this, desperation is a wonderful place to meet the Lord. It's a wonderful place to meet the Lord. It's a terrible place to leave the Lord, right? So let's, let's understand, it's a wonderful place to search and meet the Lord, and this is what this royal officer is doing. This journey, by the way, is not an easy one. We could just reference the map. So, 
Uh, in the top, you'll see Capernaum and Cana there in the northern part there. They're approximately 20 miles away. So being from Massachusetts, I thought, okay, I want to put this journey in perspective. So I did a little Googling, and I saw that if you're from Massachusetts, maybe you know the central part of Massachusetts. There's the Concord Rotary on Route 2. There's the Concord Prison out in that area. Is anyone familiar with that? Just head Okay, so that's about 20 miles away. So then on my little device, I, kicked the, I, I hit the little guy button to show if I could walk there. How long would it take me to walk to Concord? Because this is kind of the journey that this royal officer would have taken. And it's about 10 hours. It's a day's journey, right? Uh, not to mention that Cana is a 1,300-foot elevation and there's mountains. So, so this is really a long journey. And I think about this father, and, and I have to tell you, I was trying to really connect with this father. I'm a father myself. I have three wonderful children. And, uh, you know, my wife and I, we've been blessed that our, our kids have always been very healthy, which is wonderful. So I can't actually feel that way. I can't connect with him there. However, over the past couple of years, my family and I, we've had to take care of somebody, some people uh, who, who were sick and, and on the brink of death. And I remember personally having to leave the house and to think, what happens when I leave? Like, what if they pass when I'm not there? What if I miss the opportunity just to hold their hand one last time, pray with them? Like all of those moments, this father has to face that decision and I just think every step of the way, it must have been agonizing. It must have been really painful for this guy. And yet, he goes. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you came in this morning and you're struggling. And, and, and it's, it took everything you had to get up and to make the decision to start this journey today. To come to church. And let me tell you something, we are so excited that you made that decision. We're so happy that you're here. Uh, we feel that, that you will be blessed uh, uh, in the opportunity to meet the Lord. And I know it can be really challenging. I Great. I know, I know it can be challenging, but this need is so important. And we finally see that this guy has decided I'm going to make that trip. And he makes that trip and he begs the Lord. <clears throat> Before we go to the next slide, I, I was super excited about this one. Danny and I talked about a month ago about preaching this message series, and I got excited because uh, I've preached a couple times, and I've, I've never been able to do a red-letter preaching. I don't know if anyone knows kind of what I mean by that, but if you have a, a Bible that has red letters in it, right, the, the words of Jesus, I've never had the opportunity, and for me, the red letters have always popped. When I see the red letters, this is just something that gets in my spirit, my soul. I'm super excited about it. So I thought, this is going to be the moment where I get to kind of say Jesus' words to a congregation. It's going to be wonderful. And, and if you can, it, when I read this, the words, I have to admit, it didn't hit me at first the way I kind of wanted it to. I think the tonality with which we read the red letters matter. I don't know how many of you have ever done this. I, I do it often. When I read a text message or an email and I kind of put the Rob McGuirk tone into it and then I'm not sure what the tone should be. I don't know if I'm the only one there. Some people are nodding. That's good. Maybe it's just me. But I put my tone into Jesus' words. Jesus asked, will you never believe me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? And at first I thought, oh, that might be, I'm going to say it, like, is that a little snarky of a tone? Like, is that, is Jesus like exhausted? 
you know, frustrated. And that was hard for me because the Jesus who I serve is loving, compassionate, full of peace, willing to give. And I think that was just Rob's tone there in that moment. Now, is this a little bit of a, rebu- a rebuke? It, probably, right? A lot of commentaries I read said this is a rebuke. But can I just encourage us a little bit to think of maybe it was a different tone that Jesus was using? Maybe this was just a statement of fact, a diagnosis of where they were. Will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? He's talking here, the you there is plural. He's not just talking to the Roman officer, but to all of those who are around listening. Will you never believe me? And I just thought maybe it was just a diagnosing statement and just wondering where this Roman officer was in that response moment. But I love the fact that the Roman officer sticks with his plan. He had a plan. Remember, he had a long journey. And I can imagine, I like to play these in my head. I make little movies in my head when I'm reading. And I just think the whole way he was there, he was thinking, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to, I'm going to say, Jesus, you should just come with me. And I'm, I'm wealthy and royal. I got a big house. I'm sure I can just, I can convince him to come. This will be wonderful. And he gets there and this is the first thing Jesus says to him. But he doesn't get distracted. He doesn't feel like that's the moment to talk motives. He just keeps moving forward. He pleads, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Now, Lord there, he's not making a faith proclamation. That's just, uh, translation could be sir, right? So he's actually humbled himself now. It's a sign of respect to Jesus. So he's not distracted. And Jesus then says, go back home, your son will live. And I had to sit with that one for a little bit. Jesus is is trying to take the first stage, that beginning faith, and just level up a little bit now. Stretch his faith to this next level, this second stage that that I'm going to title Trust and Obedient Faith. Trust and Obedient Faith. The hard part, though, here is it goes against the guy's plan. His plan was to go and to get Jesus and to bring him, and here Jesus says, go. Go. And I feel like sometimes there are moments, and I I don't know if I can use this phrase up here, but, you know, kind of like a, it stops you in your tracks. It's a little gut punch, right? Just stuns you. And I feel like that's the moment. Uh, Maybe this quote from the great philosopher Mike Tyson will will help. Uh, Mike Tyson once said, (laughs) everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And uh, number one, Yes, I just quoted Mike Tyson from the pulpit. Number two, this might be my last time preaching here. But I think it's incredibly important to think of that because what he's saying there is there's going to be a pivot moment. Do you keep with your plan or do you adjust? And in this case, Jesus was saying, I know you're asking me to come with you, but I know what you really need. You need to just go and trust I wasn't sure if the Mike Tyson thing would work, but Danny has mentioned Nicolas Cage before from the pulpit, so I figured uh, it was worth a shot. All right, so let's look at the response here. It's a remarkable response. I actually love this response because I actually don't think it's one that I would have done. I'd like to think that I would have, but he just believes and starts home. That was a day's journey. He's exhausted. His son is dying. He got a word, and he left. And I think that's so remarkable. I listened to this uh, commentary about this, and I just want to say this phrase, it's not mine, but this commentator said, this man is now living 
in-between. It's the in-between place from the promise to the provision. And sometimes we're just located there. That's just where we are. Jesus makes a promise, and he's got to make a decision. Do I believe that? Am I going to trust that and obey and go? Now, I, I must imagine that this father who was desperate was thinking, all right, Jesus, I hear you. Uh, I appreciate your feedback and your plan of go, but why don't you just come with me? Like, I told my household I was coming to get you, and, like, that'd be really embarrassing if I went home without you. And, you know, I would imagine that's what he was thinking, but instead he just goes. He goes. And I think that is a wonderful picture of how we can live in between that promise and the provision. So here's my question. How do we live in those moments? How do we posture ourselves in between the promise and the provision? And that that can be really complicated, and yet I still think that this royal officer gives us a wonderful, beautiful kind of picture of how to do that in these moments. If you go to the next one, it says, while the man was on his way, some of his servants, again, some, which means some were left at home, uh, met him with the news that his son was alive and well. And he asked them when the boy had begun to get better, and they replied, yesterday afternoon at one o'clock. I got stuck on that. I got stuck on that for a couple weeks, actually, because I thought, when it started, I felt the urgency I felt the concern, right? He heard Jesus was there. He heard and he went and he begged and it felt urgent. It felt like there was this real desire to get there, to bring Jesus there quickly. And yet, if I'm reading this correctly, it seems like, uh, it seems like this royal officer kind of took his time getting home, right? If we think about it, if it was one o'clock in the afternoon when Jesus spoke that promise, and it was like maybe an eight to nine hour to 10 hour trip, he could have got back there that night, right? If it was so urgent. And yet from this, it says yesterday afternoon, meaning that he probably stayed the night in Cana. He probably stayed there and then started his journey later. And I just think that's amazing that he found God's peace in the in-between. He found the peace that Jesus had given him. And I don't know what their eye contact was. I don't know if he, if he touched. I, I don't know any of that. But what I do know is that he spoke and this royal officer felt enough peace in that moment to take his time back there because he knew somehow in that trust and obedient progression of faith that the provision was there and he was going to get there. And I just, again, I don't know if I would have done that but I think it's an amazing way to think of maybe how we can locate ourselves on a day-to-day basis. Because if you're living in the in-betweens right now, I've, I've got a good word for you. The Lord is going to give you that peace. He is going to give you that peace. Amen. He is going to make sure that in between those moments that you can feel his pursuit of your heart and his love. It's going to happen. And I just ask that you open up for that moment. This is the trusting faith that is defined in Hebrews where in Hebrews 1, I'm sorry, Hebrews 11:1, 1, faith is the confidence that we have, sorry, that we hope for what will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. And this is a great picture of that moment. 
So now he goes back, and we'll see here the third stage. I'm not sure I understand. I guess. The third stage. Your son will live. And he and his whole family believe. This third stage, I call contagious faith. Contagious faith. This is the faith where uh, you can have influence in your entire household. Now, I don't know how many people lived in his household. It was his son, him, servants, right? Like, I don't know who else was there, but if he was wealthy, there could have been extended family. I don't know, but he and his household believed. This is the contagious faith of that stage three. While he was there, you have to think, he was sharing the goodness of God, right? He was sharing this goodness, and he demonstrated in those moments that uh, he is not limited by time or by space, by distance. We serve a God who does long-distance miracles, amen? I just feel like sometimes we need that kind of confirmation, and we need to make sure that our faith is aligned with the Lord and understand that that provision is happening. If you look, the, the reward, the reward for that promise was instant, right? It was immediate. Sorry, let me rephrase that. The result of the faith was immediate. The result of the faith immediately took place. The fever broke. And the reward he got to see, it just took a little time. And I think there are times when we want to see the reward right away. That is hard to say. Reward right away. And yet we just need to live with the fact that the result is immediate. But the reward might take a little time for us to see it. And when it happens, and we're overflowing with the blessings, with that contagious faith, we should find our ways to share that. We should find our ways to share the goodness of God. So in the last one, if we, if we can go here, that phrase I didn't make up, I, I stole that from someone. I think I can admit that maybe from the pulpit. Uh, this idea of feeble faith to ferocious faith, I really like that kind of comment. I didn't know where to fit it, so I just, pachoo. you know, you just kind of put it up there and think like, maybe that'll stick. There it is. It's feeble faith to ferocious faith. It's this idea that in the beginning, you know, maybe there's a desperate need. Maybe there's a moment that you're unsure. Maybe there's some curiosity. Maybe there's something there that you're like, I just got to check this out. I got to figure this out. And I just want to maybe take that one step. And again, if you're there today, we're so happy that that's where you are. But you can't stay there, right? We want this progression of faith to develop. It's something that will develop and will, will continue to grow and strengthen over time with your relationship with the Lord. And this royal officer, the beginning was just the belief in his works. He heard something. And whatever it was, miracle worker. But I believe that. Just a little bit. Just enough to go. Then he had the trust and obedient faith in the words of Jesus. And lastly, he believed in the word. Jesus himself. Right? He believed that Jesus was who he said he was. He was no longer just a miracle worker, but he was the Messiah, right? And I think that's the connecting point of ferocious faith is when you just have that. Now, these stages, it's not easy, right, to get through these, all st- these stages, right, these levels. And it doesn't mean that if you're in the second stage or the third stage that you'll never face hard times. That's not true, right? We know that. You'll, you'll, you'll face storms, right? That will happen, But hopefully over time you can go through this progression and you can see 
that the Lord is with you in the in-between moments, and that once you come out of that storm, you should be so excited and so blessed that you can just share it, right? And, and Danny had mentioned weeks ago about this storehouse of faith, that you can take all those stories and store them up so when those, those storms come, you can sit back and say, oh no, I remember this, I've, I've seen this. I'm, in the li- I'm living in between right now. There's a promise, but it will be provided for, right? I will get that, amen? So the first sign that Danny had talked about last week was the, the water into wine. And that demonstrated the glory of God. I was thinking about this second sign and what this sign identified. And what I felt this sign identifies is the power and authority that Jesus has, right? Again, over time, space, distance. You know, again, we serve a God who has the ability to do long-distance miracles, and I'm just so, so thankful for that um, because there's a lot of long-distance miracles, I think, that I know I need and maybe somebody in here is looking for. So here's what we're going to do for our response today. And you can go to the, the last slide. You're so good. You're so good. I want you to think about your own faith journey. I want you to locate yourself somewhere on that journey. Again, it's not linear, but just locate maybe where you are. Maybe you're here today and you have a real need. Or you're desperate. And again, this might be kind of your last effort. You were like, you know, fine, I'll go, but this might be it. Or I'm not sure what you were feeling today. And again, I am so thankful that you're here. We're also thankful that you're here. It's a great place to meet the Lord. If that's you today, here's what I would encourage you to do while we're in our moments of response. I would ask that uh, the prayer team, the ministry team kind of go out on the sides. And if, you're, if you find yourself in this beginning faith moment, we have people here who want to pray for you. They want to talk with you. They want to help you take that next step of the journey. Maybe you're in the second stage. Maybe you're in that in-between stage and you just can't give up control of your plan. It was your plan. And yet my question to you is, are you going to go to his promise or your plan? Because those might not be aligned. And you could think about that and reflect on that. If there's only some way that you could have a reflection journal and write that down. So we have these journals in the back. If you're interested, you can go and get them. Uh, And there's pens there. But maybe you're in that stage, and that would be a time for reflection. The third one, maybe you just come out of a storm. Right? Because we go through life storms. And if you came out on the other side full of a blessing, which I'm sure you did, and you have contagious faith right now, maybe this is a moment for you to reflect and think, how do I share this? How can I share the goodness of God in my household and in my other places, right? The spheres of influence that I have. So those are the three kind of places where I would ask that maybe you can sit today. Yeah, Kelly, you can come on up. As we're responding, um, just, just get into a space where you can respond to that. Again, if we can have just some folks uh, who are willing to pray uh, for those who are either in the first stage or maybe in that second stage of in-between and they just need somebody to know, I know there's a promise, I just can't see the provision. That's okay, we have folks who will pray for you too. Right, so as Kelly's doing that, um, we'll take a couple minutes for our response time.